الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله I would like to before beginning make a couple of comments one is that uh, there was a time I think you know, a month or even two weeks wouldn't go by except for I would come to Detroit. And it's been a very long time, so I'm genuinely uh, humbled and uh, honored to see uh, so many faces again and then also to see so many new faces. I know it's been an interesting time. Everybody has interesting stories of what's happened during this time. Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought us together again uh, in, 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 in happiness. And we ask Allah ta'ala to do so uh, for us once more. Uh, on the Day of Judgment. For those of you who have attended my courses from before, although I do have a propensity to give very fiery and hot air sermon uh, and uh, uh, bayan type presentations, generally when we have a, a program in this hall, that's not what this is. It's generally packed with content and uh, inshallah uh, people are here to study take notes and to learn and uh, inshallah it's something that you can think about and uh, reflect over later ask questions about later and i genuinely recognize that much of the content that we're going to go over in this presentation which is not strictly speaking the signs of the day of judgment but the signs of the end of time so these are those things that happen before the day of judgment if we had six more hours for the program, I would have added that as well. I have that presentation ready, but there's a certain amount of uh, cramming that you can usually uh, put into, uh, into a weekend. And so, inshallah, we can save that for another time. Uh, and if you can learn it from someone else or hear it from someone else, that's wonderful. My goal, my desire is that everybody listen and learn if it's the first time that you're hearing this, then listen carefully. If you've heard it before, take notes and share these things with other people as well. If you wish, I don't have a problem sharing my slides or my notes with you. Uh, Alhamdulillah, mashallah, by Allah's fadl, the things that are gathered together are from a number of different books, but none of it is any original material on my behalf. The legwork was in reading different books and gathering things together. But uh, I will strive to give the reference for everything that I, that I quote and that I tell. And in that sense, it's arranged not necessarily as a... Um, is this mic work? Uh, if you turn it on, maybe. Anyhow, I'll let you guys figure that out. So it's arranged in some sense, not necessarily in a story format, in a story narrative format, but by which books you'll find which things in. And we'll connect the dots together because uh, at some point or another, we're a tradition not of storytellers, but we're a tradition of knowledge and in, in, in so many ways, precise and exacting scholarship. And this topic is a topic in which you'll find all sorts of solid material and all sorts of half-baked material as well. And you'll find somebody who will tell you about a hadith in which, you know, Hitler is mentioned and this is mentioned and that's mentioned. Not all of those things are, uh, you know, my 
I'm just lowering it a little bit. Not all of those things are, uh, you know, from sources that are. It's not going. That's okay. Not all of those things are from uh, sources that are going to be indisputable. The point is not necessarily to wow you or to entertain you, but to give you the information that's solid, that's beyond dispute. Why? Because those are the things that unite us as an ummah. Differences of opinion, there are many of them. There's a mercy in it, etc. But the point of this presentation is to teach aqidah, teach those things that we all agree upon. Uh, and then the things that we disagree upon, we have, inshallah, plenty of time. And those are left best to the ulama, uh, best to the scholars. So before starting, what I wanted to talk about tonight, which is the knowledge transmitted to us from the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his companions about the Imam Mahdi. I wanted to finish the topic of the khutbah, which was what? The way the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described the world would be before the Mahdi comes. So there are three or four hadith that were left. I was somewhat surprised that uh, I managed to go six minutes over the, the, the time I was told of like 12, 12.55 or whatever. And still like the khutbah was like 11 minutes long or the bayan was 11 minutes long. I don't know how that worked out, but inshallah, we'll go through these quickly inshallah and it will uh, um, kind of set the stage for the rest of the uh, tonight's program. And then inshallah, come tomorrow is four hours of material and uh, inshallah, it will be a benefit for all of us. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يتقارب الزمان ويخبض العلم وتظهر الفتن ويلقى الشح ويكثر الحرج قالوا وما الحرج قال صلى الله عليه وسلم القتل. سيدنا أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said that time will pass by quickly. Long periods of time that used to seem long to people, they'll pass by quickly. Uh, those of you who are students of knowledge, mashallah. I don't know, I don't think I've met the young man who made the introduction, read the like whatever bio from 15 years ago. Uh, but mashallah, by the way he pronounced words in Arabic, it seems that he's studied something or another, mashallah. And also the, the uh, young Qari who recited beautifully uh, for us tonight. Raise your hand, either of you guys in the crowd. Right? When you're, when you're in Darsh, does time fly or does, it, does the hour take forever? The hour takes forever, right? Part of that is because there may be some tedium or some difficulty in what you're doing. Part of that is because there's barakah in the time. For those of you who have been like in the village before or have been, you know, you know waiting from one salat to another in the masjid or whatever, you know that, the, that there's barakah in the time. And as time goes on, as time goes on, that barakah is going to be gone. Years of people's lives will pass by. They're not going to know what they did during those years. They're going to be watching one kitty cat video after another on YouTube. And the years will pass. People will not know. Uh, and knowledge will be taken away. And the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in another, uh, another hadith, he said that the way it's going to be taken away, it's not going to just disappear, that the books disappear one day. It's not going to be like a rapture. Rather, what's going to happen is the people, the old people of knowledge will pass away and the people who are left behind, nobody bothered to learn anything. And how does that happen? That happens when people don't make ihtimam. They don't, they don't uh, uh, you know, make it a, an important goal of theirs in life to preserve knowledge as a society. Not everybody can be a scholar, but everybody can learn something and everybody can contribute toward those people supporting and, uh, and, and honoring those people who really are just the walking miracles of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
that the ayat uh, uh, of Allah Ta'ala are shown in the sudur of the people who, uh, uh, who believe. Uh, and that's going to happen. What's going to happen? Those people are going to go away. There's nobody left that, that, that bothered to learn from them. But tadharul fitan and tribulations will uh, become preponderant over people. And people will give in to shuh. They'll become miserly. They'll become cheap. Nobody wants to share with one another. You know, husband and wife will split expenses. Nobody wants to spend on their children. Nobody wants to spend on their parents. Nobody wants to spend on the masjid. Nobody, everybody wants to save, pinch every penny and say, well, if I invested in this much, then I can entire, retire this much earlier. Look, all of that stuff is important. But shuh is what? My, my own uh, ustad, uh, Moana Hassan, that I read a number of books from, books of hadith from, I read the back two, back two uh, uh, volumes of the Hidayah from, uh, I read the Mishkat al-Masabih from, I read Tirmidhi and Abu Dawud from, he said, our Grand Sheikh Moana Ahmed Ali Lahori rahimahullah ta'ala, he used to say that being in love with the dunya doesn't, it doesn't mean you have stuff. It's what that you're willing to do things that are haram in order to get things. Otherwise, if you pay your zakat and if you pay your, uh, you know, your dues to people and you take care of the people that you're supposed to be taking care of, if you're a billionaire, you're not considered to be a worldly person. In fact, even if you own the entire world, you're not considered to be a worldly person. Until the line crosses from something that makes sense to love, which is by its nature irrational, that you no longer pay zakat on your money, which people don't. People, in fact, have abused zakat so badly. And they say something is zakat and it's not zakat. Nobody bothered to learn the ahkam of zakat. They abuse the zakat al-fitr. They abuse the sadaqat. They abuse all of these things. They don't pay them on time. This is also a type of shuh. In fact, it's one of the worst types of miserliness. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and there will be a lot of haraj. They said, Ya Rasulullah, what is haraj? He said, it's, 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 it's the shedding of blood. It's killing murder. And an Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la taqum as-sa'atu hatta yuqalu fi al-ardi Allahu Allahu wa al-ahadith al-thalatha al-hadith al-ahadith al-thalathu rawaha Muslim so the first hadith we mentioned in the khutbah and the second one we just mentioned the, the third one is that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the last hour, the day, this here it does mean the day of judgment. That the day of judgment will be, begin as long as there's somebody in the earth that says Allah, Allah. The reason it's worthy of mentioning at this time when talking about the Mahdi is what? This is an usuli principle in Islam, which is that Allah Ta'ala said, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّةِ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I did not create the mankind and the jinn except for in order to worship me. And worship can be a number of things. We say, well, you know, if you, uh, uh, you know, if you intend to drive to the masjid you know, with it, then even the Tesla you buy is like an act of worship, right? Which is true if that's really your intention, if that's really why you're buying it. It is true Allah Ta'ala will count it as a nafaqa fi sabilillah from you. But there are two types of, there are two types of worship. There's one which is maqsood li dhatihi and one is maqsood li ghayrihi. One is the thing that's haqiqatan, it, it literally is an act of worship. And the second is those acts that lead to an act of worship. Buying the Tesla is the latter, the actual salat itself is the, the former. And by rational necessity, anything that talks about the ibadah of Allah Ta'ala, 
is going to talk about the actual acts of worship first and primarily and secondarily or in a peripheral sense about the other things. And so here we see a couple of interesting things. One is that Allah Ta'ala said He didn't create the mankind and the jinn except for to worship Him, for ibadah, for salat, for the re reading of Qur'an, for what's mentioned in this hadith as what? As Allah Allah. And there are people, I've seen this, like in America, it's kind of weird. There are people who made like a profession for themselves, not really a profession, I would say a part-time hobby. Uh, going around giving khutbah, saying that making dhikr is a bid'ah. Here's a hadith of Muslim, in which literally the Rasul وسلم, is mentioning just the, taking the name of Allah Ta'ala. Right? Allah Ta'ala says in his book, he says, take the name of your Lord. Mention the name of your Lord, honor the name of your Lord, and cut off from everything else cutting off. Which sounds like what? It sounds like you're sitting in a dark room, shutting the lights off, and saying, Allah, Allah. It's not a bid'ah, it's actually literally in the Quran, it's literally in the hadith of the Prophet That when there's nobody left who can even say, Allah, Allah anymore. Then the maqsid, the point of the whole universe existing will have been finished and the entire thing is going to collapse in on itself. The reason I said it's a usuli principle is what? Look, today is neither, neither the perfection of ibadah, which is the Rasul sallallahu alayhi nor is it the, the absence of it, which is the day of judgment. It's somewhere in the middle. However much you want today to mean to you, the barometer by which you can measure it is what? How much worship did you do? How much salat did you pray? Did you fast? Did you sit, and, sit down and you know, close your eyes and focus and say, Allah, Allah, did you make dua? Did you do all of these acts of worship that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us uh, are the ways to attain the, the Lord's pleasure? The other things are okay, they're good, you know, and sometimes they're necessary as well. But these are the things that everything else is there to serve. At the end, this is the, this is the, the, the purpose of why people were created. And so what will happen is that this thing will start to shrink, shrink, get truncated. It will start to... Uh, it will start to uh, uh, wither away and it will start to melt away to a certain point. And when it goes below a certain kind of critical level, it's going to unleash all of these things that, that, that are going to happen as the precursors to the Day of Judgment, the signs of the end, end of time. And in fact, the Imam Mahdi's coming, which we'll talk about very shortly, is help from Allah. It's madad from Allah Ta'ala in order to drive that away, push it away a little bit further. Just like the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's bi'tha mubarakah, his being sent to this world was what? It was Allah Ta'ala's mercy, like hitting the snooze button on the alarm of, day of, of the Day of Judgment. So we also have a choice. We don't have a choice when the Mahdi comes and when he doesn't. We don't have a choice when the Dajjal comes when he doesn't. But we do have a choice of how much worship we do. And it's true, go to the Haramain Sharifain. Until relatively recently, you would see people worshipping by day and night You'd see the masjid doesn't empty out. People come and we ourselves who are bored and find worship tedious when we go to those places, we ourselves are excited to spend a great amount of time in the worship of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, and you see that even in places in the Muslim world. There are places in the Muslim world like that where you can pray, literally pray raka'ah after raka'ah and you'll still leave and half the masjid is still full of people who are praying. This is something, it's a good thing. This is the reason Allah Ta'ala gave us money. It's the reason what we have a masjid. The basketball court is wonderful, but you know, the reason we have the masjid and the basketball court is what? So that the uh, establishment of the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala can be made. When Abi Hurairah radiallahu anhu qala, 
قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يخرج من آخر الزمان رجال يختلون الدنيا بالدين يلبسون للناس جلود الضأن من اللين ألسنتهم أحلى من العسل وقلوبهم قلوب الذئاب يقول الله أبي يغترون أم علي يجترئون فبي حلفت لأبعثن على أولئك فتنة تدعو الحليم منهم حيران uh, it's a hadith narrated by Tirmidhi that the Abu Hurairah who said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, and this is something, you know, when we talk about ilm being raised up, people are like, oh yeah, how sad, you know, like, but then if you have a, a dars in which ilm is being taught, mashallah, you know, people, mashallah, come. I'm, I'm very happy that this many people came, but to be very frank with you, if I were to put up a, 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 a master calligraphed copy of the Hilya Sharif of the Prophet وسلم, illuminated with gold, and I told you this is from the Ottoman era, and you know, Sotheby's like appraised the value of it at $100,000, and I'll sell it to you for a thousand. You know, the people, someone would buy it. I know somebody would buy it. Alhamdulillah, somebody would buy it. It's worth buying. I'm not even saying it's bad, it's worth buying. My own Shaykh Rahimullah Ta'ala was a master khattat, he was a master calligrapher. I appreciate these things. But if I were to say that the hadith that's written on the Hilya Sharifa, in order to learn it, it'll cost you a thousand dollars, even though the hadith is worth much more than the piece of art, because it resides in the world of meaning, not in the world of aesthetics. Very few people, if anyone, would be willing to pay for it. Uh, and if I told you it was free, still very few people would be able would be willing to sit through sit through it, uh, sit through being able to read it and its difficult vocabulary and things like that. This is this is how, how what we live in. But what everybody is interested in is what is politics. So here here you go, right here you go. Abu Hurairah who said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, there will come out such men uh, near the end of times that uh, 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 they will. Uh, they will basically trade or sell the uh, uh, deen for dunya. Those things that should be sacred, they will they'll give them up in order to get some part of the material world. And they will wear in front of people hides like the hide of a sheep in its softness. Meaning they'll look really, they'll look really soft and pleasant. But, and their tongues will be sweeter than honey. But their hearts will be the hearts of wolves. Meaning what? And the thing is, to be honest with you, this can, you know, this can refer to political leaders. There are also a lot of ulama, quote unquote ulama, people who have like, they can prattle off information in ways that move the heart. But the haqiqah, the reality of the knowledge doesn't sit inside the heart. I mean, the, the definition of what is knowledge? What is knowledge? This is something almost completely missing from the Western tradition, the discussion of what the nature of knowledge is. And it's something that was discussed by our uh, mashayikh from the time of the Salaf, from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the time of the Salaf. It means you can know a lot of stuff, but until the reality of it sinks into your heart, it's not, it's not considered ilm in the tradition that we come from. And so there are a lot of ulama like that, also quote-unquote ulama. They have the degree, they talk the talk, they memorize their tajweed, their ayn is really ayni, and their qalqala is, you know, 
really uh, super calculated out and all of everything, the turbine is tur like a $20,000 turbine and like a $100,000 jubba, everything is, all the boxes get ticked, but it's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. And one of the things that was mentioned at the end of this hadith is that the, the punishment for these people is what? Such a tribulation that it will leave even a person who's like, relatively like calm and collected and, and wise in their assessment of things, like wondering what am I supposed to do? The ulama are the people that are the warathatul anbiya, they're the heirs of the prophets. If the doctor is the one prescribing you the poison, then what are you supposed to do? If the children can't trust their own parents, then who are they supposed to trust? It's really a, a severe trial, it's a severe tribulation. And the fact of the matter is, is that the people who bother to like, I don't know, try and practice these things and learn these things, they will find a dhok, they'll be able to taste the difference between what's real and what's fake. But there'll be a lot of people who are going to be like, you know what, this is a very professionally uh, doctored and very professionally PR, professionally uh, tailored experience for YouTube, for Facebook, for Instagram, for TikTok. Right? And the people who are not like attuned to these things, they don't think about these things, they'll say, look, there's no, more, no one more pious than, than this person. There's no one more learned than this person. All of it has to do with metrics. All of it has to do with making money. All of it has to do with politics. All of it has to do with all of these things. And you would never know. And that's the day, once you learn that lesson the hard way, that's the day you realize and you know the importance and the value and the wilaya, the sainthood of those people who sit and teach Alif Ba Ta Tha to the, to the children. That, that's something that's completely difficult work, and, but it is the thing that will propagate Islam to the next generation, and there's very little that you, you'll get compensated for things like that in the dunya. There's no glory in it, uh, in, in this world at any rate. But it's what is something done for the sake of Allah Ta'ala alone and without any partner. There's no labeling, there's no branding in it. There's no celebrities in it. There's no famous people in it. There's no, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, virality in it. There's none of those things. So the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that they're going to be people. Outwardly, their, their, their hides will be like the, the, the skin of a sheep, how soft it is. And their tongues will be sweeter than honey, but their hearts will be the hearts of wolves. They just look at you and me, the average rank and file Muslims, as a commodity to be consumed. Allah Ta'ala will say, say to such people, are they abiyya uh, yaghtarun? These people, their ghurur, uh, their arrogance, is it, is it with me that they're being arrogant? Is there jur'ah, their, uh, uh, their, their bravery in doing this thing, in messing with, 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 with something? Are they, are they brave now to mess with me? I swear an oath, indeed, indeed I will raise over them such a fitna, such a fitna that will leave even the most forbearant of them uh, uh, completely confused as to what's going on. And finally, I wanted to share an author of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhum wa anhuma about the time, the signs of the time that the the uh, Dajjal will come because the Dajjal, Imam Mahdi, all of these things will be very close in time to one another. Uh, he says that the sign وَتَكُونُ آيَةُ خُرُوجِهِ تَرْكُهُمُ الْأَمْرَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهِيَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ 
that the sign of his coming out, uh, the Antichrist, the false Messiah, will be people having left, commanding to that which is right. That they know that the Salat is far, they know that, you know, but they'll, they'll meet with their relatives, with their friends, they won't say anything to anyone, and they'll think that the maximum piety that I, I have to do is what? I'll just slip out quietly and pray myself, and I won't say anything to anybody after that. Why? Because, you know, uh, it's modernity and like to each its own and live and let live and all of these other things that are alien to our, that are alien to our tradition. Yes, live and let live. If you like to eat, you know, somebody likes to eat gulab jamun and the other guy likes to eat kunafa, live and let live. You don't have to make a big deal out of that. But these things are not kunafa and they're not gulab jamun. What are they? This is the deen of Allah Ta'ala. And the forbidding that which is wrong when you see the people leaving that. وَتَحَاوُنَ uh, بِالْدِمَائِ that, that people will see the spilling of blood as a small affair, as a small matter. People will get killed and say, oh, only one person died, only two people died. Or like, this is what happens in such and such country. This is how such and such country is. This is how so and so people are, right? People, be, be very frank in this country. In this country, somebody dies. If it's a black person who dies, people are like, oh, these people, they're just meant to die, right? Is it right or is it wrong? Morally, it's very wrong. But it is unfortunately the way people think about things like that. And the dumb, the blood of every human being. Nafsun ka nafsun wa arwahun mushakala. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu he says that everybody is a spirit just like another person has a spirit and they have they have everyone is, has a nafs like the other person has a nafs and everyone has a ruh and the arwah are like similar to one another and everybody has bones in which Allah Ta'ala created uh, flesh and limbs and if anybody has a uh, uh, a, a lineage that they should boast about, then what is it? It's that all of us are the descendants of, uh, of, of, of earth and of water. But we say, oh, these people, they're like meant to die. These people, they're meant to work. These people were meant to suffer, right? So that people will, will make light of the spilling of blood. That people, when they waste, when they waste hukum, when they waste sovereignty, that the government no longer does what's in the interest of people, and more than that, they no longer do what's in what's the commandment of Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When we rule, we rule by the mandate not of the people, but by the mandate of Allah Ta'ala. Otherwise, if you rule by the mandate of the people, then the ideal government is anarchy. Why should you tell me what to do? Why should I tell you what to do? Why should I have to stop at the red stoplight? It's somebody else's rules, right? It impinges on my freedom, right? It impinges on my freedom. Well, the problem is what? It's gonna like blood will be spilled in the streets and things. There's a lot of problems. So the, the hukum is what? It's a mandate from Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and His Anbiya Alayhi Wasallam. But what, what will it be turned into? Neither will it be used for, to fulfill the divine mandate, nor will it be used for the benefit of the ra'iya of the people Rather, it's just something that people will waste in order to enrich themselves, in order to ingratiate themselves, in order to pump, pump up their own egos. riba, And they will eat the, the money of usury. bina, And they will fortify their buildings. They'll make really fancy buildings. 
and they will take, uh, uh, they'll drink wine and by extension intoxicants. Uh, and people will listen to singing songstresses, the women who sing songs. Walabisul uh, harir, um, and the men will wear uh, silk. Wa'adharu bazata ali fir'aun, and they will uh, uh, make it hard. I'm forgetting what this word means uh, 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 precisely, but the treasures of, of Fir'aun will be uh, uh, openly displayed. If you read the news, you'll know how creepy this is, by the way. They just had like a big parade or whatever when they moved from one... I don't want to like mention particular nations because I'm not picking on anyone. Every country in the Muslim world has its share of all of this stuff, but... Uh, this is specifically mentioned in, in, in this author of Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhumah, so it's an amana we have to mention it. Uh, and people will be quick to break their promises to one another. Uh, and people will study for other than deen. If I told you the greatest muhaddith in the world was sitting somewhere, and the greatest faqih in the world was sitting somewhere, and the greatest qurra are sitting somewhere, I promise you from our own community, people would rather go and read Islamic studies from a non-Muslim at the university. And when you actually read, when you actually read the ulum, you'll see how it's not just a matter of bigotry, but how really weak their uh, uh, foray into uh, Islamic learning is. But what is it? People say, oh, you don't have a degree. How are you going to eat? How are you going to live? How are you going to go do a go become a doctor, become an engineer, go do a degree in a, a management finance, become a computer programmer. The knowledge of this deen is to serve the Lord. The purpose of it is not to, not to make money. You will make money on the way. Everyone has to make money. But if that's your purpose, then what are you you're learning for the sake of other than Allah Ta'ala? which is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We know that this is a reason that people will enter the hellfire and it's a reason that, that this entire world will be sapped of barakah and get to the point that, uh, that we're about to describe. And the people will spend money on, on beautifying masajid. There is a degree to which it's matloob that you should make the masjid beautiful. But what is being mentioned in this hadith is what? People would rather go to a masjid that the prayer times are not at the right at the right time. They would rather go to a masjid that's financed on riba. They'd rather go to a masjid in which the the imam or the uh, person giving the khutbah is a person who is a qari in the operatic sense, not in the usuli sense, and is not a person of uh, not a person of ilm and fiqh, but a person who just tells people things that make them feel better or tells stories fluff to pass the time and not offend people. They'd rather go for that experience rather than going to a place where you can see the deen being practiced, where the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is being made, where the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, is being, being fulfilled. They'd rather do those things. And it may not be people in this room, but there are a lot of people like that in more importantly, because why talk smack about people who are not here right now? More importantly, all of us have a little fraction of this tendency inside. When you see something beautiful, you're like, that's cool, right? When you see a nice building, it makes you feel nice, right? You see like a brand new shopping mall. Who here hasn't thought about that? That Why is it that you know, shopping malls are so nice, we can't build a masjid that's nice? You're like local high schools in, in town are huge buildings. The Islamic schools look like miskin, like they look like the diseased goat. You know, why is that? The Madaris people are sitting on, on woven straw mats. 
Whereas even a community college, like I've not seen any madrasa in the Indian subcontinent that has a library bigger than, than uh, an average community college in America. Why is that? A person wonders, why is that? And the fact of the matter is truth is not in buildings. Truth is not in bricks. Truth is not in calligraphy. Truth is not in any of those things. Truth stands on its own. The haqq is a sifa of Allah Ta'ala ultimately. So, uh, Abdullah bin Abbas who mentions, he says, they make the masajid beautiful they've destroyed and they have uh, uh, desolated the hearts. Uh, and people don't, you know, they cut off their kinship uh, uh, relatives. Afa'asaytum in tawallaytum and tufsidu fil ardi wa tuqatti'u arhamakum. Did I say the ayah right? Who's the hafiz, right? That is it, are you like close at hand? Allah literally describes the mushrikeen of, of Quraysh that, that, you know, in the most stern of terms, that you turn away and that you uh, 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 make facade, you make mischief in the earth, and you cut your, your kinship ties from one another. Like this is a timthal of like, of, of, of complete, uh, of complete like debauchery of like really bad people. But it will become common. People to say, uh, yeah, you know what, my mom, you know, she, she, I have issues and I'm not going to talk to her anymore. Yes, there are some people, like I've seen some people, Stafrullah, like they're, they've suffered, you know, what do you, tell, what do you tell a woman like who tells you my father raped me? This is not a normal thing. A normal person when hearing a sentence like that should be very disturbed. It happens very rarely, but it does happen. What do you tell a person like that? You know, what do you t- I tell them, I say, look, if you can't see them anymore, if you can't meet them anymore, don't meet them anymore. But you, for you, the birrul walidain is what? Is that still you ask Allah Ta'ala to guide them and, and uh, you know, turn them away from this thing and forgive them for Allah's sake. But the point is, even then, you know, you don't let go 100% say, so yeah, you just write the person off, khalas, is done. But this is going to be what, what happens near the end of time. And we ourselves see that this is something that becomes more and more common with time. This ibara is there in a hadith in the Muwatta uh, Imam Malik as well with an even stronger sanad. That you'll see that people, there will be so many, there will be so many Quran, fancy Quran reciters and there will be so few people who uh, understand the deen. Here fiqh is not just the, the, in the it's, it doesn't mean the legal sense, which is a, a meaning of the term that comes a little bit later. But here it means understanding, which includes the law, it includes aqidah, it includes, uh, uh, it includes a kind of a holistic understanding of the deen rather than just fancy recitation. And people will wholesale stop enforcing the, the, the limits of Allah Ta'ala. And here is also specific, a specific reference to the corporal punishments. Um, that are prescribed by uh, the Sharia, the sacred Sharia, for certain types of transgressions, like for into- being intoxicated and for uh, adultery and for uh, 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 the wrong qadf, the wrongful accusation of adultery and the like. Uh, that people will completely abandon it, and it's one thing. You know, look, the Muslim world went through a lot of difficulty. Colonization was not easy for any part of the Muslim world. Even the parts that were not colonized, they, they hung on barely. And so a person might say they were majboor. They were like compelled to like abandon parts of the Sharia. Allah knows best. Allah will judge people. But it's our aqidah that Allah forgives the people who come to Him in repentance. I have no like need to like 
consign people to the hellfire. But what's wrong with what's wrong with you're sitting in Farmington Hills, Michigan? You and I are neither asked by anybody, nor would it be valid even if we were to try to enforce a had punishment. You see someone drunk in the streets and you try flogging them. It's not without the sovereign, the the, the of the sovereign state. You can't even do it. What skin off of it, off of your back, is it to say that this is the the punishment that's prescribed by the book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Prophet <clears throat> But we see people they're like they say this. And popular people get invited to conferences and things like that. that oh, you know, we should have a moratorium on the hudud, and but nobody's enforcing them in the first place. What benefit do you get by saying things like this? But things like this, ridiculous emperors, new clothes type of, types of things like this, will be said by people, and they'll be taken very seriously. In fact. And you'll see that men will start to behave and imitate women, and women will start to behave and imitate like men, uh, imitate men. And men will go to other men for their sexual fulfillment, and women will go to other women for their sexual fulfillment. This will become a normal thing for people. You can't talk about it anymore. You can't even object to it anymore. I don't know if there's any jurisdiction that's left, uh, a significant jurisdiction that's left in which there's not some sort of prohibition or criminalization of <coughs> even a person in a professional capacity telling somebody who thinks this is normal that it's not normal, even though everybody knows it's not normal. Don't worry about whether people do it or not. These are personal failings of people. I have yaqeen inside my heart. Somebody who's a mubtala, who's being tested by a lot of this uh, interaction, and they don't even have enough strength to resist it, right? Who am I to judge? I don't resist so many things myself. I'm not saying it's okay. But I'm just saying, there have been people in this ummah since relatively early who indulged in these things. Some Muslim countries, they probably indulge in these things probably at a rate higher than they do in America. If you live in those countries, you'll know that. However, nobody said it was normal. Nobody... Considered it a good thing. At the at the very maximum, someone would think of it like you know, like smoking cigarettes. Like everybody knows it's bad for you, but some people just do it. So the Rasul sallallahu was saying that when this this becomes uh, open, ba'ath Allahu alayhim dajjal Allah Taala at that time <coughs> send over them the dajjal, the false messiah, fasulita alayhim hatta yantaqima minhum. That they will be placed over them until uh, 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 until Allah Taala takes vengeance from them. So this is the, the the kind of the portrait of the way things will be at the end of time. And I want to move on and get through the material that we we're supposed to get to tonight. Uh, but what I wanted to just point out is how we see things like virality. How we see things like social media influencers, right? Social media influencers are not just uh, a non-Muslim phenomenon. We have them in the Muslim community. How we see people who are not scholars, who are not trained in deen, and some of them very conveniently say we're not scholars, but they're still giving khutbas. They're still the ones that are being uh, you know, looked up to uh, when it comes to deen. They're still the ones who put themselves in the places where they get looked to for deen. That this is a problem. That the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa he very explicitly said, al-ulama'u the people of knowledge are the heirs of the prophets. And in particular, it's the people of knowledge who practice what they, what they know. 
uh, not the people of information. It's the people. No, it's not. It's not. It's the ulama. It's not the ahlul ahlul ma'lumat. And this is affecting us. It's affecting people, and we think of it as innocent, <coughs> and it's not innocent at all. What it's doing is it's getting us to a place where Islam is no longer a way of life. It's no longer a deen. It's no longer a belief. It's no longer a conviction in the heart. But it's like become like a quasi race, like a pseudo race, where like. I support your right to wear a hijab and you support, you know, like my right to marry another man or something like that. And it's not like that the haq and batil, they're not like you don't trade them equally because they're, you know, it's like apples and oranges. There's no real interaction between them. And again, if as a community we don't have the, we don't have the ability to have the upper hand and straighten these things out by force, Allah Ta'ala, la yukallifullahu nafsan illa wus'aha. Allah Ta'ala will not... Uh, uh, burden a soul more than it can bear. But like, at the same time, man ki dunya mena dekha mene afrangi karaj, man ki dunya mena dekha mene sheikhu barhaman. Allama Iqbal, he said in a, in, in, in a verse, he says, in the, in the world of the heart, I didn't see that the, the British were able to colonize. Meaning what? Inside of your heart, you're free. You can think and say whatever you want to. Any evil that's there, it's because you accepted it. Shaitan can't even get into there. That I didn't see inside of the world of the heart, you know, that there's a caste system. It doesn't matter how poor you are. People say, oh look, Shaykh Barhaman, this means there's no such thing as ulama. This is a very foolish understanding. The point is what? The word Shaykh in the subcontinent it doesn't only mean ulama here. In the siyak, it means a caste. That there's no caste system. That we have a priestly caste that that uh, you know is over other people, and you you can't think or feel things in your heart that anyone can ever stop you or restrict you from it. It's when we accept these things into our hearts as being okay. That's when that's when the foolishness happens. You guys are all f- familiar with the emperor's new clothes. The the story of the emperor's new clothes, right? That uh, the emperor, you, you have, Momo, you ever heard that? Mashallah. I'm going to tell a story just for you, man. Right? The, there's some like uh, tricksters, you know, hustlers. They're probably where, from where, where I'm from. Right? So they walk in and they pose as tailors to the emperor. And they say, we have this like, set of clothes that uh, has a special quality that only smart people can see them. And so they weave their, their hustle so well that the emperor is now like afraid to admit that he can't see them because he doesn't want to look stupid. And everybody else in the court, they don't want to look stupid. So basically what happens is they sell him this magical set of clothes at an exorbitant price. And then the emperor actually goes out wearing these clothes, which are not clothes at all, right? He goes out and he humiliates himself. Everyone's like, oh, look, they look, your clothes look beautiful. They look wonderful. It's fashion, fashion, this and that and the other thing, right? Which is actually kind of not all that far-fetched because people... Alhamdulillah, the way they dress nowadays, right? And then somebody, like, you know, the village idiot's like, why isn't he wearing any clothes? And then the whole thing kind of, like, falls apart. We get to that point, why? Because we're afraid of what other people will think, and we, you know, when somebody else goes along with a fraud, we go along with it as well, and it becomes like a, a kind of like a fake truth that we, we all accept. Whereas it's not true at all. Look, you know, if you want to marry someone of the same gender or you want to pretend you're a gender that you're not or any of these things, that's fine. I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to, uh, you know, mock you. I'm not going to like whatever, like make your life any more difficult than it needs to be. 
But at the same time, like, I'm not going to pretend that it's okay. You're still a human being and whatever. But I'm not going to say that, like, yeah, you know, like, just like a man and a woman, uh, you know, they have children and you're the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not, and the, but what is it? It's the emperor's new clothes. There are doctors who come and tell me, they say, we're forced to give treatment to people that are biologically one gender according to the gender that they identify as. There's biological differences. We're actually harming the patient. We could get our medical licenses taken away from us if we don't do it. That's what I mean by the emperor new clothes. We have to have you know, some circle in which we remind the haq to one another. And we say it and we say, look, I can't do anything about what's going on outside. If you can, if one of you becomes the president, then power to you. Do whatever, you know, make the world a better place, right? For the rest of us, Masakin, you know, like, what are we going to do? People say, you know, how come, Sheikh, you don't tell people this, tell people that? I said, people don't even believe me when I tell them how to make wudu. What am I going to tell them about this, that, and the other thing, you know? Uh, um, but the thing is, you can always accept it inside your heart. Nobody else can attack you inside there. Once you purge it from there, then, then bad, bad times, bad times are over the horizon. So we read the first, uh, the first, this, the first set of athar. Uh, these are uh, narrated in Ibn Majah. Uh, on Ibrahim ibn Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyyati, who is a son of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, but from a mother other than Sayyidina Fatima. An uh, abihi. Uh, 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 Muhammad bin Hanafiya عن علي بن أبي طالب رضي الله تعالى عنه وكرم الله وجهه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم المهدي منا أهل البيت يصلحه الله في ليلة that the Mahdi will be who he will be from amongst us meaning the family of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he'll be such a man that the transformation of, of him being just from a normal person into being the Imam Mahdi will happen like overnight like he won't know, he may not himself even know who, that, that this is who he's destined to be. But when the time comes, Allah Ta'ala will, will transform him and make him uh, worthy of this maqam. This is important. People say, why is this? This is important. Why? Because there's a whole bunch of people who claim that they're the Mahdi. This has been a trope in like Islamic history, like a comic, comical trope in Islamic history. Sometimes not so comical, right? Abdullah bin Tumart from the uh, Masmuda tribe of Berbers claimed that he was the Mahdi and he made takfir of anybody who didn't accept it. And he killed a great number of people. And the ulama mentioned that how could he be the Mahdi? He's Masmudi, he's from the Masamida, he's not, a, he's not from the Ahl Bayt of the Prophet Nowadays there's a confusion between who's the Imam Mahdi and who's the Imam Mahdi. That's, that might be from another family. But the Mahdi السلام, is from the the family of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وعن سعيد بن المسيب رضي الله رحمه الله تعالى قال كنا عند أم سلمة رضي الله تعالى عنها أم المؤمنين فتذاكرنا المهدية فقالت سمعت رسول الله sallallahu الله عليه وسلم يقول المهدي من ولد فاطمة عليه السلام. سعيد بن المسيب رضي الله عنه mentions that we were talking about the Mahdi or recite, you know, mentioning to one another what we knew about the Mahdi. Uh, uh, and she said, I heard the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say, uh, the Mahdi will be from the progeny of Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. وعن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam يقول نحن قلد عبد المطلب سادة أهل الجنة أنا وحمزة وعلي وجعفر والحسن والحسين والمهدي that Sayyidina Anas bin Malik who said, I heard from the Messenger of Allah that he said, We, 
the descendants of Abdul Muttalib, shall be the leaders, the foremost people from the people of Jannah. And then he named a, a number of people. He says, myself and Hamza, the son of Abdul Muttalib, Sayyidu Shuhada, wa Ali ta'ala anhu, al-Haydar, wa Ja'far al-Tayyar, ta'ala anhu, the brother of Sayyidina Ali, who was shaheed in the battle of Mu'ta, wa hasan wa al-Husaynu, Sayyidah Shababi Ahlul Jannati, and the Mahdi, that he mentioned that the Mahdi is from his family and that he'll also be from the Sa'adat uh, Ahlul Jannah. Uh, right now, we're gonna, someone might say, well, who is the Mahdi? We're going to get to it. We're going to read these hadiths in, in order and we're going to get to it. Like I said, this is kind of in a, the hadith are clustered according to narration order rather than in, order, in, in, in story order. And I did that on purpose because if I wove it into a story, it's very easy to get carried away and go on tangents and to exaggerate things. I want to give you what, what, what has been handed down from the books of hadith uh, and the rest of it, inshallah, we can talk about if we have time. When Abdullah ibn al-Harithi uh, ibn Jaz ibn al-Zubaydi radhi rahimahullah ta'ala wa radhiyallahu anhu qala qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yakhruju nasum min al-mashriqi fayuwatti'una lil-mahdiyi ya'ni as-saltana Abdullah ibn Harith ibn Jaz al-Zubaydi he narrates that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said a people from the east meaning east of the Arabian Peninsula a people from the east will come and they will be the ones who prepare, who prepare for the Mahdi his rule. They'll prepare for the Mahdi his rule. This is important. It will, it will. Uh, I'll mention it in kind of conjunction with the next couple of hadith. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنهم قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا وقع الملاحم بعث الله بعثا من الموالي هم أكرم العرب فرسا وأجوده سلاحا يؤيد الله بهم الدين. These two hadith are connected to one another. Abu Hurairah says that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, prophesied about the end of time. He said, when the great battles of the end of time happen, Allah Ta'ala will send a group of people from the Mawali. The Mawali literally means like freed slaves. Then it will go on to mean converts to Islam from amongst outside of the Arab tribes. But what it means essentially is non-Arabs. Now, mashallah, we have some Arab brothers and sisters here. We have some non-Arab brothers and sisters here as well. And this is a trick of shaitan to make division between people. And sometimes our Arab brothers and sisters are, are not fair with us, and sometimes we're not fair with them. It's the truth. But the fact of the matter is that the maqam of the Arabs, the, 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 the maqam of the Arabs over other people is mentioned by the, the, the Qur'an itself. Allah Ta'ala says, وَإِنَّهُ لَذِكْرُ لَكَ وَلِقَوْمِكَ That the Qur'an being sent is a dhikr. If you look in the books of tafsir, the meaning of dhikr here is sharaf. is honor. That this is an honor that's sent for you, Ya Rasul, Ya, 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 ya Rasul. وَلِقَوْمِكَ And for your people. Who is the qawm of the Prophet ﷺ? The qawm of the Prophet ﷺ is the Arabs. The ummah of the Prophet ﷺ is all of us. But if you look in the Qur'an, all of the anbiya, when they say, Ya qawmi, Ya qawmi, the qawm of, of, of Sayyidina Hud ﷺ is who? It's Ad. 
The ones who believe amongst them and the ones who disbelieve. That's his qom, that's his people. The qom of Salih salam is who? It's Thamud. That's his people. The qom of the Prophet وسلم, is who? It's the Arabs, it's the, the Quraysh and it's the Arabs. And Islam, the, the kite of Islam flying high in the sky, do you think the Christian Arabs didn't benefit from it? Of course they benefited from it. Of course they benefited from it. The entire qom of the Prophet وسلم, benefited from Islam, whether they accepted Iman or they didn't. The munafiqeen, they all benefited from it as well as the believers did. And so what is it? The honor of the Arabs? It doesn't make halal into haram and haram into halal. It doesn't mean that someone's allowed to cheat you or steal you or behave poorly with you. But we should accept this fact. We should mention this fact out of love for the Qur'an, out of love for the Prophet wasallam, that there is an honor in, 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 in Arabness. On the flip side, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought all of these nations into the deen. As an Arabi, you should be proud of it. You should not resent such people. And there are many examples of why that's the case. This hadith is a beautiful example, which is what? That at the end of time, the Arabs will be the brunt of whatever happens to the Muslims, the brunt of it's going to happen to the Arabs. It's just the way it is. These two things will not be separated until Yom Qiyamah. And so what is the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying? That the people who come to the aid of the, of, of the Arab at that time will be who? They'll be Mawali. They'll be like, you know, black people and Pakistanis and Indians and Bengalis and Malaysians and uh, Turks and like all of these different people from these different aqwam. And the Rasul Sallallahu described them how as they'll be the, the, the best cavalry and they'll be the ones with the best armament and weapons. And who are they, you know, Ayyuhal Arab, who are they there to help? They're there to help you guys. They're there to help you. They're there for you. Allah made them Musakhar, Allah Ta'ala subjugated them to your service, to your benefit. Why shouldn't you be happy about it? You should be happy about it. It should be a source of pride for you. You shouldn't resent such people. Rather, you should see their, their progress in Islam and you should be happy about it, alhamdulillah. That this is an honor, that they, how much honor they bring, this is how much more honor your, your honor will increase as well. And Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, din." Allah Ta'ala will use such a people and he will assist and aid the deen through them. Don't let shaitan make his wasawas between people and divide them. Rather, alhamdulillah, we're, uh, we're, we're people, we're different, all of us are different in our culture and in our tongue and in our habits and everything. But Allah brought us together for, for mutual benefit for one another. Don't listen to the person who speaks ill of the Arabs. Don't listen to the Arabi who speaks ill of the, uh, of the, of the other nations of the earth. That's not, that's not what this deen is about. Continuing, that those are the people who are going to be the, 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 the ones who are there to aid the Imam Mahdi alayhi salam at the end of time. And Abdullahi, yani, uh, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Can someone on the mixer just turn the gain a little bit down? Just so we don't get that Freddy Krueger effect in the back. And the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam qala, لَوْ لَمْ يَبْقَفِ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا يَوْمٌ وَقَالَ زَائِدَةً فِي حَدِيثِهِ لَطَوَّلَ اللَّهُ ذَلِكَ الْيَوْمَ ثُمَّ اتَّفَقُوا حَتَّى يَبْعَثَ فِيهِ رَجُلٌ مِنِّي أو مِنْ أَهْلِ بَيْتِي يُوَاطِئْ اسْمُهُ اسْمِي وَاسْمُ أَبِيهِ اسْمُ أَبِي 
وزاد في حديث فطر يملأ الأرض قسطا وعدلا كما ملئت ظلما وجورا وقال في حديث سفيان لا تذهب أو لا تنقض الدنيا حتى يملك العرب رجل من أهل بيتي يواطئ اسمه اسمي and so this hadith, this next set of hadith are uh, 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 then narrated, uh, I believe, in uh, Abu Dawood. That uh, Jazakallah khairan for that. The next set of hadith are narrated in uh, Abu Dawood. That uh, uh, Um Salma radiallahu ta'ala anha. No, no, I'm sorry. Where are we? There we go. Uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud who narrates that the Prophet said, even if the life of the dunya is completely gone and there's only one day left, so that day definitely uh, uh, will not pass, meaning even if Allah Ta'ala needs to make it longer in order for this to happen, he'll do so, that that day will not pass until he uh, raises uh, uh, in it a man from me, or in a narration, from my family. His name will be my name, meaning what? Muhammad. And the name of his father will be the name of my father, meaning he'll also be Muhammad bin, uh, ibn Abdullah. Uh, uh, and then uh, in the hadith of one of the narrators, uh, it's mentioned the narration that he will fill the earth with justice uh, uh, and with fairness and, and with justice and fairness, just like uh, the world is filled with uh, transgression and with tyranny. Uh, in the hadith of Sufyan uh, 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 Ibn Uyayna ta'ala anhum, says that uh, uh, the dunya will not go away or it will not, not expire until uh, such a man will rule uh, over the, uh, have sovereign authority over the Arabs uh, from my uh, family and his name will be my name. وعن علي رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لو لم يبق من الدهر إلا يوم لبعث الله رجلا من أهل بيتي يملأها عدلا كما ملئت جورا that Ali رضي الله عنه narrates that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said even if there were only one day uh, from all of time only one day left uh, Allah تعالى would indeed raise a man from my family uh, who would come and fill it with uh, justice, just like it was filled with tyranny. When an Ummul Mu'minina said, "Um Salama radiAllahu Taala anha qalat, Samiatu Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam yaqul al Mahdiyu min Itrati min Wuldi Fatima." That Um Salama radiAllahu anhu, Ali radiAllahu, sorry, Um Salama radiAllahu anha was narrated from her that she said, "I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam say." That the Mahdi will be from my family, from the progeny of Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. Wa an Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-Mahdiyu minni ajla al-jabhati aqna al-anfi. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that the Mahdi will be from me, meaning from my family. He'll be ajla al-jabha, the way he looks, his physical description is described here. That he'll have a, 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 a broad forehead. That it's not going to be covered with hair. Rather, it will be a, a broad forehead. Alayhi salam. Wa aqna al-anf. Aqna is... Al-qina is... When it describes the nose, it means something very particular. That it's a long nose that's thin. It's not a fat nose or a, a thick nose. It's a long nose that's thin. But it has a high uh, bridge. 
in it. There's a, a bit of a bridge in it near the top of the, of the nose. So this is a physical description. And this is a description that the commentators say was considered to be a sign of, uh, of handsomeness amongst the Arabs. Meaning he's going to be a handsome man. He's not going to be a man of, of ugly countenance. Uh, unlike who? Unlike the Dajjal who we'll talk about tomorrow. It'll be the opposite of him. That he will fill the earth with justice and fairness just as it was filled with tyranny and with transgression and he will rule for seven years. Now, this is mentioned in this hadith. Now, for those who wanted to uh, you know, hear a little bit more of a narrative, this hadith of Tirmidhi is a bit of uh, a narrative of how Okay, so we know that the Imam Mahdi, obviously, by this point, is from the family of the Prophet right? And we know that he will be a handsome man, and we know how long he's going to rule, and we know that he's going to come, and things are going to be really messed up, and he's going to uh, straighten them out. Okay, so here's a narrative account, narr- narrative account from Sayyidina Umm Salama radiAllahu anha with regards to him. An Umm Salama radiAllahu anha. أم المؤمنين عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال يكون اختلاف عند موت خليفة فيخرج رجل من أهل المدينة هاربا إلى مكة فياتيه فياتيه الناس من أهل مكة فيخرجه وهو كاره وهو كاره فيبايعونه بين الركن والمقام what will happen is a, a great ruler will die and Successions are a time of strife. They're a time of uncertainty. One might say, well, like, you know, that's something in the Arab world, you know, that's something with Muslims, that's not here, we have like whatever. Okay, well, now you saw the weird guy with like half his face painted blue with like horns or whatever, stealing Nancy Pelosi's laptop or whatever, right? It's a problem. Succession is a problem. So what happens is that there'll be, there'll be some, some strife at the time of succession, and a man from Medina Munawwara, Zadahallahu Sharafan, he will, he will flee from Medina because he's, he's, he's going to be a person that people respect and they'll come to him like to kind of like mediate this and he's going to want to like not have any part of it, no involvement at all with it. So he'll flee from Medina and go to Makkah Bukharama, right? Firar and min qadrillahi la qadrillah, running away from God's fate, right into God's fate. Uh, and uh, uh, the people of Mecca will recognize him and they'll put him out into the spotlight in front of everybody uh, even though he, he's like, no, I don't, wanna, I don't want this you know, I don't want to do this uh, and then they're going to uh, give him the oath of allegiance meaning say that you're the one that, that, that we choose to rule after, uh, after all of the succession not any of the contenders they're all jokers you're the one we want to follow uh, and they will all give him their oath of allegiance Baina Rukni Ma'ul Maqam between the black stone and between the Maqam uh, uh, um, Ibrahim, meaning in the most sacred place in the entire Masjid al Haram. Yub'athu ilayhi ba'athun min al Shami, fayuhsafu bihim bil bayda'i bayna Makkata wal Madina. And a army will be sent in order, once this, they find out this has happened, an army will be sent from the north. In order to destroy, in order to destroy him, like oh look, you know the you know these uh, uh, they probably call them terrorists, right? Because that's any Muslim you don't like is automatically a terrorist, you know, and they have words for 
Hispanic people and for black people and for Native Americans and for you know all kinds of other people they don't like. But for for us, you don't. They'll probably oh we're gonna go get the terrorists. Okay, class. They're gonna come from the north in order to cut cut down these pious and righteous people, and the entire army will be swallowed up by the earth. Uh, in a, in an open a part of open desert between uh, uh, um, between Mecca and Medina Munawwara between Mecca Mu'azzam and Medina Munawwara, it's interesting. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam describes this army that there will be people in it that are just there because of their hatred of Deen, and there'll be people in it who are just there to do their job, and they don't think about like moral issues, and there'll be people in it that actually think that like this person must be a charlatan, like how could he really be the Mahdi, and we're just there to put down fitna because. You know, we've see, all of us have seen like fakers and we're just, we don't have any mood for that, right? And the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, he, not all of them are going to go to like Jahannam. If a person participated in that army not knowing what was going on and with a good intention, Allah will give him that. And if a person was just doing their job, they're not going to be judged the same way as the person who did it out of hatred of deen. Everybody will be raised according to what their intention was. But the point is that the army will be swallowed up. People will say, wow. Maybe this is the actual Mahdi. Because the army getting swallowed up by the earth is kind of a big deal. At that time, uh, 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 um, This is a really interesting part of the hadith. It's a hadith of Tirmidhi. Okay? This is a hadith of Tirmidhi. That at that time, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he mentions that uh, uh, the Abdal of Sham will come to take Bay'ah to give the oath of allegiance to uh, uh, the Mahdi السلام, and the Asa'ibu Ahlil Iraq will also do the same. Now who are the Abdal of Sham and who are the Asa'ibu Ahlil Iraq? These are two stations of wilaya of sainthood. People say, oh man, we got him now. He's talking all this hadith now. He's talking this kind of weird hocus pocus Sufi stuff, right? It's a hadith of Tirmidhi. I tell you, you go look in, look in the commentaries of the hadith of Tirmidhi. Go look in the ancient commentaries, look in the middle classical commentaries, and look in the later commentaries. Sayyidina Ali anhu, there's another, there's another uh, uh, athar in which he explains, someone asked who are the Abdallah of Sham. The word Abdal is a plural of the word Badal or Badil or Abdali. All three of those words give the meaning of what? That, when, that there's an exchange going on. Sayyidina Ali mentions that these are such a people that their station with Allah Ta'ala, Allah gifts them the station. It's not something you can do by like reading a lot of namaz or whatever, right? By praying a lot and being real pious. Rather, you pray and be pious. There's certain people Allah picks them and He raises them into these stations. And then when they get to that station, that person, that person, their du'as become answered, and they they are used by Allah Taala for things in regards to the service of His Deen that are that normal people don't have to feel from. And the reason the idea of badal of exchange is there in the name is that whenever one of them dies, Allah Taala will raise another one into their maqam, into their station. And this is if you look in the the footnote, uh, there's a footnote at the end of the. Yeah, uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. The, the second footnote over there. This is like Hafiz ibn Hajar and like all these other people. There are authorities in hadith basically that are explaining what I'm saying right now. And so at any rate, the, 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 Abdallah, the, the Abdallah are these people 
And there's a certain number of them, 40 or 70 or whatever, you know, like there's a lot of detail to it. But the idea is that these, who, these are who the people of the Rasul Sallallahu is referring to. And they are in the Ummah right now as we speak. And it's a form of madad, it's a form of aid that Allah gives to the Ummah that there are certain people who are given uh, extra help, unnatural, supernatural help. You and me may not see them because we're like busy at the mall or whatever, right? Or watching kitty cat videos on YouTube or whatever. But they're there, and Islam didn't make it as far as it made, made it just because like, we throw really good fundraisers or because we have good like, samosas at like, our iftar parties. You know, there's, some, there's madad from Allah Ta'ala, this deen didn't reach all of the places it reached, and it didn't survive all the trials and tribulations it survived without Allah's madad. And so the idea is what? Is that once that, that army gets swallowed by the earth, all of these people will then themselves, and it's not like they're gods, they're not like Superman, Marvel characters or whatever. They have madad, but they're still they're still also they're also believers. That those abdal will they'll come they'll come to uh, they'll see it will be clear as day that this is the this is our guy, and they'll come to uh, take bay'ah with him. And the the ahlul Iraq is those people of that maqam of sainthood, but from Iraq they're referred to a different name. Usba is one of the meanings of Usba is the best of a people. The Usba of a qawm is the best of that qawm. That the awliya of Iraq are referred to on the tongue of the Prophet as the Asa'id, and the awliya of Misr are referred to as the Nujaba in a different in a different hadith. But this is something that amongst the Muslims, wherever they are, Allah Ta'ala gives his madad. There are certain people who Allah gives a special help to. Inshallah, you find those people and you benefit from them. If it's one of you, inshallah, make dua for me. فَيُبَايِعُونَهُ so They'll all come and they'll take the oath of uh, allegiance with him. ثُمَّ يَنْشَأُ رَجُلٌ مِنْ قُرَيْشٍ أَخْوَالُهُ كَلْبٌ فَيَبْعَثُ إِلَيْهِمْ بَعْثًا فَيَظْهَرُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَذَلِكَ بَعْثُ كَلْبٌ You always have haters from your own family. What are you going to do, right? If the Imam Mahdi isn't free from it, then what are you, you and me going to do, right? You just got to cope with it. So what happens is that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said at this point, somebody who, who kind of is jealous of him or resents him from... Quraysh, he'll himself be from Quraysh, but his maternal side of his family will be from the Kalb tribe. That he will call uh, his akhwal, he'll call his maternal family basically to back him up. And 12 chieftains of the tribe of Kalb will, will bring their contingents, their armies with them in order to fi- fight them. And Allah will give him victory over, over them as well. Over them as well. Right? Quraysh is the family of the Prophet is also Quraysh. So all the Quraysh should be happy. Look, this is our guy, but... Sadly, that's not how that works. You and me, let's not be petty like that either, right? When we see one of our relatives doing good, you know, even if they have some things that are not good about them or whatever, you make du'a Allah, uh, make it better. Don't be a hater. Don't, don't, be, don't, be, a, don't be an alligator. Don't, don't do that. It's not, it's not nice. So, وَيَعْمَلُ النَّاسُ بِالسُنَّةِ نَبِيِّهِمْ And w- during his rule, the people will... Uh, make amal, they will practice according to the sunnah of their Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. وَيُلْقِ الْإِسْلَامُ بِجَرَانِهِ فِي الْأَرْضِ And this is an interesting uh, expression. The jaran is the, the, the front side of the neck. And so what happens is like a camel, when it drinks and when it's relaxed, it will sit down and it will lay its neck like against the, the ground. So the point is that Islam will be in such a good condition that it, if it was a camel, it would lay its like neck down and relax because of 
the, all the khair that this uh, Mahdi brings into the, into the world. Again, it's not going to be for free. There's like strife that happens, but once all those things clear up, um, uh, the people will return to their deen and uh, the people of Islam will feel the, the, the goodness of, of what that means. فَيَلْبَثُ سَبْعَ سِينَ ثُمَّ يُتَوَفَّى That he will rule for seven years, as was mentioned in a narration before, and when he passes away, the Muslims will pray his janazah. So we have three more, three more hadiths, inshallah. If we have time, we can have question and answer, and if not, then inshallah, we can uh, regroup for tomorrow. عَنْ أَبِي إِسْحَاقَ قَالَ قَالَ عَلِيٌّ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهُ وَكَرَّمَ اللَّهُ وَجْهَهُ وَنَظَرَ إِلَى بْنِهِ الْحَسَنِ فَقَالَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامُ وَرَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ فَقَالَ إِنَّ بْنِي هَذَا سَيِّدٌ كَمَا سَمَّاهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ وَسَيَخْرُجُ مِنْ صَلْبِهِ رَجُلٌ يُسَمَّى بِاسْمِ نَبِيِّكُمْ وَيُشْبِهُهُ فِي الْخَلْقِ وَلَا يُشْبِهُهُ فِي وَلَا يُشْبِهُهُ فِي يُشْبِهُهُ فِي الْخُلُقِ وَلَا يُشْبِهُهُ فِي الْخَلْقِ ثُمَّ ذَكَرَ قِصَّةً يَمْلَأُ الْأَرْضَ عَدْلًا This is the last narration. These narrations are all from Abu Dawood. Uh, Abu Ishaq narrates from Ali radiallahu anhu that he once looked at his son Sayyidina al-Hasan radiallahu anhu alayhi salam and he said that indeed this son of mine is a Sayyid, he's a leader. And this is a reference to another hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in which the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam once saw Sayyidina al-Hasan radiallahu ta'ala anhu playing and he said inna ibni hadha Sayyidun wa la'allallaha أن يصلح به بين فئتين عظيمتين من المسلمين. That this son of mine is a leader, and inshallah, it's my hope that it's very likely that Allah Taala will use him to make reconciliation between two great groups of my ummah that that are opposed to each other. This is a reference prophecy of the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam that when Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu anhu was assassinated and the people of Iraq took bay'ah with Sayyidina Al Hasan as Khalifa. He negotiated with Sayyidina Muawiyah and he gave up the Khilafah just so the civil war would end. And Sayyidina Ali who called him a Sayyid, he says that just like your Prophet called him a Sayyid, he says, I'm saying he's a Sayyid and I'll tell you something else as well. That it's from his, from his uh, loins that the Mahdi will, will, will come. And the ulama mentioned that this is as if he's saying it's a gift for him being so effaced and having no ego at all. That the hukum was given to him and it was rightfully his, and he gave it up for the sake of Allah and to make uh, uh, to make reconciliation between the Muslims. That this is this is an honor that he was he, he's given by Allah Taala, which is nice, right? Like there are very few things that Allah is more pleased with than a person who goes between two people who are fighting and and rec- reconciles between them. And there are very few things more hateful to Allah Taala than a person who causes two people to fight when they were they were okay before with one another. Uh, so that's something we can learn from it as well. Uh, but uh, uh, what happens? He says that he says, uh, Ali radiallahu anhu says that uh, uh, that from his loins will come forth uh, a man who will be of the same name as your Nabi, and he will he will be similar to your Nabi alayhi salam in his character, even though he won't exactly look like him physically. And then he mentions a number of things uh, until mentioning that he will fill the earth with justice. And so I want to, I want to, you know, this is not like the point of this is not a sectarian uh, rant or whatever, but I want to point something out. People should know this, right? 
the the uh, the rawafith that that call themselves the Shia of Sayyidina Ali Taala Anhu, um, they 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 believe almost all of them uh, believe what that the Mahdi is from the line of Sayyidina Hussein Radiallahu Anhu, and here is a a, a a sound narration which is what that he's not going to be from the line of Sayyidina Hussein that the person they consider to be the Mahdi is not the Mahdi at all. That he's going to be from the lineage of Sayyidina Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And this is something to keep in mind. Not to get into fights with people, but I think oftentimes our people don't study our own uh, literature well. And uh, the, reason the, the reason that they consider the Mahdi to be from the line of Sayyidina Hussein is purely political. Because they're the people that they consider to be their political leadership um, were not from that line. Uh, but the, the athar indicate that the Mahdi will be from the Ulad of Sayyidina al-Hasan radiallahu anhum wa anhuma wa alayhim as-salam. We, we respect all of the Ahlul Bayt, the Imams of the Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet sallallahu and we say that they were from the Ahlul Sunnah as well and that these political things were uh, introduced later on. But this is our belief that he'll be from the lineage of Sayyidina al-Hasan radiallahu anhum. وعن أبي سعيد الخضري رضي الله تعالى عنه قال خشينا أن يكون بعد نبينا حدث فسألنا النبي فسألنا نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال إن في أمة المهدية يخرج يعيش خمسا أو سبعا أو تسعا زيد الشاكو قال قلنا وما ذاك قال السنين قال فيجيء إليه رجل فيقول يا مهدي أعطني أعطني قال فيحثي له في ثوبه ما استطاع أن يحمله and so this hadith is narrated by Tirmidhi that Abu Sa'id al-Khudri رضي الله عنه said that we were afraid you know that something shouldn't like kind of blindside us after the Prophet leaves so we started asking questions about what will happen later and so uh, he said that uh, the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Indeed in my ummah is the, the Mahdi. The word Mahdi is, has the same root as, by the way, as the word like Huda, Hidayah, guidance. Mahdi is the one who's rightly guided or f- like fully and completely guided. Um, that, that, that he says that indeed uh, in my ummah will be uh, the Mahdi, uh, an imam who's filled with guidance. He will, uh, when he comes out, he will live for five, seven or nine years. This is a doubt of the narrator. The narrator wanted to be honest and say, I don't remember the number exactly. We know from the other narrations that it's probably seven. Uh, but uh, this is the amana of hadith is that if you don't know or if you don't remember, you just admit, you know, that I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly. I'm, my memory is shaky in this matter. And we said, what, what does that mean? Meaning, what is this five, seven, nine? Uh, 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 he said, sallallahu alayhi wa meaning years. That these are years that I'm mentioning. And... Uh, a man will come to him and say, Oh Mahdi, give me, give me. Meaning he needs, he asks for like, for, for, for assistance, for monetary assistance. Uh, and uh, he, will, he will give to him, he'll fill his, like, you know, like a person has the, the like the, uh, the well, how would you say this in English, right? The, the, uh, the front of their, 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 their garb or their tunic that they would be able to fill it up and carry more wealth than their, able to carry, which is a lot of wealth. It's a lot of wealth. And it also indicates it may not be Bitcoin or NFTs, but I'm not gonna, not gonna get into that right now. Everyone feel free to jump me on the way to the car after the program. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, he'll give him as much as, as much as he's able to carry. Meaning what? That with the guidance and with the amal on the sunnah, Allah Ta'ala will restore barakah 
which is what happens whenever people take the path of righteousness. وَعَنَا بِسَعِيدٍ الْخُدْرِ رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تقوم الساعة حتى تمتلئ الأرض ظلما وعدوانا ثم يخرج رجل من أهل بيتي أو عترتي فيملأها قسطا وعدلا كما ملئت ظلما وعدوانا And this is the last hadith and uh, it, it reiterates and re-emphasizes those things that we mentioned from before that the last day uh, will, or the last hour will not be established until the earth is filled with transgression and with enmity and people just enemies of one another transgression and with enmity then a man will come out from my family uh, and he will fill it with justice and with fairness just as it was filled with uh, transgression and with enmity uh, and so this is a, a setup for tomorrow and the uh, kind of spoiler is what is that the Dajjal this year this period of time in which there is justice and there is goodness in the earth it's a limited time Allah helps the Ummah basically get pull itself together so that when the Dajjal comes it doesn't scatter it they're somewhat prepared they're pulled together and they're able to like regroup with one another and face that uh, face that fitna But before the Mahdi passes away, the Dajjal will be raised, uh, which was described by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as the Sharru Fitnatin Yuntadaru, the most evil tribulation that anyone has ever uh, anticipated. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, him in detail tomorrow. Uh, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala reward you for listening carefully. Like I said, I tried not to make this into like the whole storybook yell and scream thing but to give you the information straight from the books of hadith the reputable books of hadith and merely to explain what's what's there and those things i know that people are going to have a hard time digesting i gave the references as well if somebody needs the notes i haven't translated this today's portion yet tomorrow's portion most of it is translated so i can share those as well uh, but I, i wanted to give these things to you so you can think about them what does this mean and how close are we to that era you know the things we mentioned in the beginning of tonight's talk How much do you th- does it seem to describe the, the time and the age that we live in? Uh, and, uh, uh, you, know, how, how, you know, what does, what does all of this mean so that we don't get caught uh, by all of these things unaware? Because the people who study and the people who have the knowledge, the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave us all the answers to the exam ahead of time. If we then get caught unaware and unprepared and we fail the exam anyway, we have really no one to blame but ourselves. Uh, but alhamdulillah, mashallah, mubarak to all of you, you gathered here to hear um, what the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa had to say about these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a source of barakah and Allah ta'ala push away fitna uh, from us and from our families and from our children. And uh, give us the tawfiq to uh, live according to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And always with our tongues moist, in our lips moist with the dhikr of Allah ta'ala. Uh, uh, وصلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين